This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Equity Minds! I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Equity. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast that follows our journey of investing. Whether you're an absolute beginner or approaching Warren Buffett's status, our aim is to help break down your barriers from beginning to dividend. If you are joining us for the very first time, welcome and thank you for becoming an Equity Mate. If you are still getting up to speed with the basics, you can check out our Get Started Investing podcast. But let's crack on. My name is Bryce. Unfortunately, Ren is not joining us today. But nonetheless, we are very excited for this episode as we continue with the second episode in our series on investing psychology brought to you by IG. Now, if you missed the first episode, it was with Jason McIntosh released on the 3rd of March. Our brains aren't naturally wired for trading, but they can be rewired and IG is helping traders master their trading mind and to take control of the emotions, biases and psychological influences that come with trading. And we're going to unpack a few of those today. This helps traders to develop and stick to a plan, stay cool under pressure and be the best that they can be. Focusing on trading psychology, IG has collected a wealth of information, including interviews with experts in the field, articles, podcasts and ebooks, all brought together in a dedicated Master Your Trading Mind hub. So search Master Your Trading Mind or head to the Master Your Trading Mind hub on IG.com to find out more. But I'm really pleased to welcome another expert to the studio today to help us continue unpacking the psychology of investing. So Gary Glover, welcome. Thank you very much. Nice having me. So Gary is a senior investment advisor at Novus Capital, and we're going to be looking at managing emotions, habit formation, trading DNA, and then some of the tools and resources that Gary uses to find information and inspiration when investing. So Gary, let's get stuck into it. Really interesting topics today. We don't often cover the psychology of investing, so we're, we're super keen to get stuck in. If you had to associate one emotion with your investing, what would it be? It's funny you talk about, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not just not a broker, actually. I'm a I'm a I'm a trader as well, so I, I love the trading side of the market and the psychology of it. So, talking about psychology is is fantastic. Probably the one big emotion for me is that I've had to master is a compulsion to trade. So yeah. felt like I you know, had to be in the market the whole time, um, and then once I'm in, having to do something. But as we know, sort of uh, about trading is you sort of you know you have to sort of learn to sometimes sitting out 
waiting, letting, letting everyone else make the mistakes when the market's not ready, um, laying the foundations for your success mm. um, is, is, is a couple of the key things I've really learnt um, in the last couple of years. And then once you're in a position as well, not trying to get out at the first little uptick or first move is actually sitting, following your process and just trying to sit through that. And that's, that's probably the hardest thing for me as a trader to do is after reviewing, going back and probably doing a pretty heavy review a few years ago, I just realised I was trading too much. Yeah, right. Um, so I needed to sit out and wait more patiently and once I'm in positions, stay patient and, yeah, as you know, often sort of said, it's the sitting where you make the money. Yeah. So we'll we'll unpack a bit of your, I guess, system and, and approach to trading in a moment, but how do you define your trading? Like there's the – on one end you've got the Warren Buffett uh, buy and – and hold for let compounding do its thing for sixty years, and yeah. on the other hand, you've got the ultra short term algorithmic trading. Where do you lie on that scale? Yeah, probably somewhere in the middle. Okay. Um, definitely a bias to the uh, technical analysis. So, having been in the market for twenty years, then you, you learn a few fundamental analysis sort of uh, skills. But the technical analysis is probably kind of where I sort of sit. What's the phrase they say that uh, in the short term? It's a voting, it's a voting machine, machine yeah. and in the long term it's a fund of earnings or, you know, weighing machine in terms of your earnings and stuff there. But I'm not sure I agree with that concept actually um, because if you think about Amazon, which is probably one of the best stocks fundamentally on the planet for the last 20 years, pretty hard to disagree that's not in the top five or, you know, stocks in the world. That stock went up into 2000, had a massive run there, uh, up to about 102 or something, fell after the tech boom. So lost 94% of its value, mm. took 10 years to go back and revisit that high, yeah. then obviously went on afterwards, just had a 57% decline in the last 12 months. You know, if you want to sort of, you know, fundamentals will get you into that stock, but where does it get you in and when does it get you out? You know, I think there's got to be some timing in there, some, you know, using some technicals, using, you know, whether it's a bit of market psychology you're covering today, whether we're looking at um, you know, some technicals, entry and stuff there, you know, valuation metrics and stuff there. But valuation metrics are always – the good stocks are always expensive. They're mm. never cheap. Mm. So it's hard to actually use valuation metrics. Technicals, if you're using just a simple moving average or something, at least there's got you an entry and exit. So really I think if you're not looking at charts, you're not looking at technicals, then I think you're operating with one arm behind your back. Interesting. Well, Gary, I can tell you I do not operate with technicals, mainly because it's something that I've just never spent the time really sitting down to fully understand. I know by speaking to people like yourself and plenty of experts that have come on the show that it can be a lever you can pull to know or to optimize when you do get into stocks and particularly when you want to get out of stocks. So really interested to un unpack this a little bit more in detail. Well, it's, it's the buying and the entering. It's, that's, it's the easy part. Yeah. It's the selling and the exiting. That's the difficult part. So you're, you know, whether it's investment, trading, whatever the strategy is, there's got to be some mechanism, some strategy, some, some rules for exiting. So how do you do that 
without charts. Well, let's leave that as a cliffhanger because we will get to some of your rules a little bit later. But I want to continue with managing your emotions. You said there that um, compulsion to trade is one of the biggest emotions that uh, you've had to overcome and understand. What are some of the other key emotions, I guess, that you experience if you were to think of your sort of trading as as a life cycle? The thing about trading is most people don't really understand the mechanics of the market to the point where Emotions are actually the worst thing as a trader. So really, you're actually, if you could do the opposite to how you feel, you'll probably be operating almost in sync with the market correctly. So if you think about it, obviously, like when the market's sort of uh, in free fall and everyone's panicking and the world's falling apart, you know, there's so many issues in the world and so many fears, everyone's intensely scared, frightened to invest. That is without doubt usually the the perfect time to to be buying, and when in the opposite side of that is that uh, you know companies or the economy is booming, everything's perfect. You know companies are you know just humming, earnings spilling out cash, nothing can go wrong. It's perfect. Why would you sell? You'd be crazy to be selling right now. That's usually the perfect time to be selling. So those two ends there are, are exactly the opposite of how you feel at the time. So if you can actually you know, having worked in dealing rooms for 20 years, I've got gone to the dealing rooms with like 30, 40 advisors there. And, and when I've seen uh, advisors come in and in, in a tears in a panic and there's two or three guys freaking out, I've got to get out, I've got to, got to, you know, got to cut the portfolios in half, just got to sell stocks today. I, I know I've got to go out today and start buying and start getting aggressive and start really sort of filling the portfolios up. It's just that's the – history says that's the right time to be – to actually sort of really sort of getting into, into the market there. Interesting. So if you can identify what you're feeling and then think the opposite, you might do all right. That's exactly right, yeah. So just on that, bring that back to the technical side of things, does that, do technicals then match that as well? Like if there's euphoria, will technicals in some way uh, help you understand that, hey, we should actually be out here? And similarly, if there's uh, like fear and and – uh, a lot of panic out there. Will technicals tell you that yeah. now's actually a good time to get in? Like we've just sort of seen elements of the market have a pretty good, like commodities, obviously, um, energy, coal, uh, those, even material stocks there sort of in the last sort of six months have had a really, really strong move up. But if you look at the technicals there, the technicals will sort of be, will show you for the last couple of months they've been moving up on, on declining volume. So the participation rate's getting lower and lower and lower. So if you go back and look at the 0708 high for a lot of those sort of BHP and Rio, you'll see as they got closer to the top, the volume just dropped off. So the, the last leg up, there was just very, very little participation. And it's sort of like it's a lot of the sort of key elements you sort of learn with, with the market as well. Like at the end of a bull market, it's the very few stocks remaining that do the heavy lifting at the end. Yeah. So you get most of the stocks all turning down. So you see all the same things, all the same characteristics all happen over and over again. We, we saw it in... You know, a couple of years ago, in sort of November, there were, you know, it was sort of it was only really the I think it was the top five stocks were you know had like you know twenty five percent of the weighting in the S and P, and they were doing all the heavy lifting. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the stocks are already turned down. It's those particular lot of Nasdaq stocks. So you sort of see that um, occurring all the time there. So there is a the technicals will sort of tell you there. So if you're sort of seeing that euphoria, and then you sort of go to look at your charts and say, what's happening in my charts as well. So looking at sort of volumes and stuff there. The, the other thing there is the psychology of it as well. Have, have a look at what everyone's saying in the market. That's sort of, you know, I'll ask you a question here. Okay. A really interesting question. So 
if you're watching Ausbiz or CNBC and say four analysts, you know, brokers, analysts come on within an hour and they all say the same thing, we love coal, we love energy, what does that mean? It's too hot. Yeah, from a psychology point of view also as well, sort of like um, in terms of like- By now. By now, well, if you think of it from a trading point of view, if you're a trader and everyone's a trader out there, whether they're a broker, analyst, whatever else, do you tell people about your bad trades or your good trades? Good trades. Your good trades. Yeah. So so normally sort of, um, you know, if you've bought something and the sector's gone down 5%, you're normally gonna, not going to go on no. any of those channels and start saying, hey, we like this, even though we're down 5%. Yeah. You're only going to say, hey, we like this because we're, we're up. up. We're up. Yeah, so things we've already participated in, we've just got in. It's gone a bit higher. We're feeling good about it, okay? So when four analysts come on in an hour and say, we love coal, we love coal, we love coal, we love coal, or we love energy, whatever it is, all saying the same thing, what does that mean? Does that mean, A, that they're, they haven't actually bought yet and they've given you the early tip and they're going to go and buy clients and give you time to, no. to beat the clients? It means they've already bought it and they want people to get in and keep buying. So, yeah. <laughs> so B was going to say they bought some, maybe they'll buy some later, but C, they've already bought, they've already basically positioned and that's it. You're already in front of the queue here. So yeah. you're, you're actually thinking right there, Bryce, because everyone's already bought. So if four brokers come on in an hour and that's not just sort of you've be unlucky to get the probably the four innovators who come in early, they're probably just going to be more vanilla. Yeah. So if everyone comes on and says, we like this, we like this, we like this, they have all already positioned and they're already done their buying. So if everyone's already bought, who's who's left to buy? Not a lot of people. Not a lot of people. Yeah. So when the market's sort of, when everyone says they love sector, so we, we saw it, you know, but sort of six months ago, with coal stocks, you have to be in coal, making so much money. We like coal, we like coal, we like coal. Everyone likes it because they've bought it and it's gone up slightly. But at some point there, once everyone likes it so much, the market's in unison, there's no one left to buy. And that's when those stocks sort of start to retreat. And then we saw it with energy maybe three months ago as well. You saw every analyst there saying, we've got to have energy in the portfolio. You must have energy in the portfolio. By the time everyone says you must have that sector, it's, it's no, there's no one left to buy. And it's the same in reverse. Is that we don't like yeah. retail. Out, don't like retail. Out, we saw retail stocks have a massive rally after everyone said don't hold them. Yeah. Because interest yeah. rates are going up. Surprise. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it sort of, you know, it tells you where everyone's already positioned. So if you're actually listening out there, so psychology makes a really big difference there. It's sort of because it actually tells you where everyone is already invested, yeah. where everyone's already positioned. So what's a strategy or like how do you practically implement that knowledge? into trading like if you were to if you were to hear analysts come on and say coal 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 i was one of them sitting here i didn't buy any because i guess through experience the time to buy it was december 2021 just before the ukraine invasion all happened and energy markets went crazy that was the time when no one was talking about it <laughs> the time when everyone was talking about it in late last year when everything had just run incredibly hot that wasn't obviously the time but people were still saying the trade of 2023 is is energy so how do you take that and actually practically implement it yeah so you overlay that with your sort of charts and stuff as well so you obviously i look at the fundamentals i look at earnings sort of where they're forecast to sort of grow and things like that. um so be comfortable with the sort of stocks that that i'm buying I, I typically do try and stay with a lot of the leaders in the market as well but really looking for price action to sort of you know uh, to show me that you know, the selling's done 
And you know, so oftentimes if it's you know, if the market's been heading lower, well sort of you know, selling might be aggressive early and then it eventually lightens up. Or you see sort of some sort of exhaustion of the sellers and stuff there. And then you start to see market tick higher there. So whether you wait for a break of a moving average or, you know, uh, a first high low or whatever it is there. I, I like to sort of see a little swing high taken out personally. just shows me that the market's sort of, so the market will keep going down. We'll just keep making lower highs, lower highs, lower highs. As soon as we break a swing high, then maybe it's a change of character in the in the trend. Yeah. So, so you sort of got to wait, you know, you get your psychology there, you got your view, but you got to let the price sort of tell you that that you're right as well because there's plenty of times that those sort of trends too, they can always last a bit longer than you think. I mean, a coal run can last, go a lot higher than you think or you know, stocks on the decline can, can go a lot nastier than you think as well. So you really need to sort of start to sort of see some signs of positivity. So when I was younger, I tried to, you know, pick the bottoms and that's pretty nasty sort of game. It's not, it's a risky game. Um, you, you know, end up sort of um, getting hurt too often. You're better off to sort of come in a little bit late and seeing just some positive price action there and then, you know, coming in there with momentum. Because if you're coming in, if you're picking the lows as well, oftentimes it take time to build. So you're actually sort of sitting in there, using up a lot of the time and not really getting ahead too much. Whereas it's the sort of, once you've sort of got your first high low and then the thing starts to sort of get going, that's where the real moves are. So you almost got to wait for the, if, you know, a, a bit of a base to be built and things to go from there. So, yeah. If you're wondering what Gary is talking about here when it comes to technical analysis versus fundamental, a lot of what Alec and I talk about on the show is on the fundamental side, it's looking at the financial statements, it's talking about what the company is doing itself, it's considering you know things like the economy and, and factors that are related to the company and its, and its function, whereas technical analysis is then leveraging more, uh, I, I guess, the performance of the company from a price point of view, uh, you look at things like volume, which you've mentioned uh, a number of times there, Gary, how many people are actually buying and selling the stock, um, chart patterns, um, and there's a, I guess there's many other things that go into it, but that's the, the key differences between technical and, uh, and fundamental analysis. And that's probably a good segue, Gary, to uh, the rules-based approach of sort of technical analysis and I imagine some of the investing that you do and habit formation. What, what are some of the investing habits that are most important to you? Yeah, the habits is, uh, I mean, look, there's probably two types of habits. There's your trading habits and then there's probably your sort of health, yes. your sort of mental habits as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I try to get up every day and go for a walk and I do sort of uh, probably every second day I do a few breathing exercises to sort of um, – you know, sort of that are sort of healthy and yeah, it's just sort of something I practice sort of every every couple of days. Yeah, and I just sort of find that just sort of helps with your your mental aspect for the day. Yeah, nice. And so, how do you stay like disciplined when it comes to uh, trading? Because I, when you're talking about technical analysis, there is there is a lot more action than perhaps a fundamental approach where you yeah. kind of take ages to build a thesis and do the research on the company and then you're saying, you know, my, my thesis might actually play out over five years here so I'm not really going to be doing a lot of buying and selling of this stock as much as you would with entering and exiting with technical analysis. So how do you stay disciplined when it comes to your trading? Probably the one thing that I do is I, I get comfortable with my worst-case scenario I look at all my positions. I, I use sort of stops and targets on. Um, so when I when I buy a position, um, by the end of the day, I'll I'll have a stop and I'll have a target in in place. So if the stock were to sort of go down um, below my sort of stop, I'd be I'd be taken out. 
I manage my risks. I, I risk only a certain amount of, um, of my capital on each position. And I just follow a certain rules. I think you sort of got to take the, you, know, you got to really take the emotion out of that trading there. So mm. yeah, actually, there's a really good, um, I think it's called Emotion Free Trading by Larry Levine, which was like okay. a PDF. Might be about 100 pages long. It's a little bit of uh, psychology, sort of cybernetics, subconscious sort of stuff in there. But that's that's free. It's online. It's it's actually a really good read. Actually, it's sort of it'll get people sort of thinking. Emotion Free Trading by Larry Larry Levine. Levine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we'll include that in the show notes. Yeah. But yeah, look, it's you'll always sort of occasionally sort of you know it's funny. I've been pretty disciplined the last year here. I think I broke a rule in the last week. Okay. Um, yeah. What was it? Whereas, uh, I just sort of took something, took my stop out because I sort of knew there'd be a bit of volatility. Yeah. Um, I thought, okay, well, I sort of still like it here. I just think it might get whipped around a little bit here, and I shouldn't have. I should have because I sort of I scale into positions as well. So I usually sort of start with a position, and then if it starts to go the right direction, I'll scale up. Yeah. And then I'll sort of scale out as well. So don't don't all get stopped out at the same point. So I should have just sort of left half my sort of stop in. I usually, my general rule is to always at least leave half my stop in there. So if it goes through your position, because if you're sort of, if you're in a position that goes against you, you're going to be doing something there. So at the very least, you sort of should be cutting it in half, mm. um, particularly if you sort of built the position up, which I had done. Actually, I sort of built the position up, got it in a really great position. Some news came out and then it went through and I thought, okay, I have my stop there. Yeah. So in the end, I just had to sort of, I've trimmed that position now. I probably took a slightly bigger loss Possibly the biggest loss I've taken in the last eighteen months. Oh but not, wow! Not excessive. Yeah. So it's probably only about one percent more than my than my other loss. But it's um, I still broke my rules. Yeah. Which I haven't done. I did not do that for the first six months of this financial year. There you go. One of the things that I often I, I used to to run stop losses, um, but I would always find that I never put in, <laughs> I never put the work in and the theory to actually understand what was the appropriate margin. And I would just kind of say, uh, you know, I'm willing to lose no more than, I don't know, 10% or whatever it might be without really considering the true volatility of that stock and yeah. how it performs. And so you put in the stop and then four days later you go back and it's sold out and and you're just like, damn it. So I don't use stops anymore yeah, yeah. because of that. Yeah. But there's obviously a, a process that you yeah, follow so to understand. Yeah, so you got to look at the – I mean, most traders look at the average true range, the stocks, so to sort of see what sort of range a stock has. Being a technical person and, you know, maybe 20 years in a game gives you a little bit more headway in terms of sort of what you're sort of seeing there. But there is percentage risk. I mean, for me, I – I got a spreadsheet with all my positions in it. So every day, you know, every day, every day, every second day, I look at that spreadsheet and I can tell you what my worst case scenario is. If I get stopped out of all my positions, say tomorrow or today, say the market had a big meltdown, I know exactly what percentage of my capital oh, I'll be down idea. for the day. So if I can live with that, I'm comfortable with that. Because obviously sometimes you can get, you know, at the moment I'm sort of about three quarters, well, two thirds, three quarters invested. I've been building up positions here the last few days. So I'm looking to be sort of fully invested here. By the end of this week, hopefully, if all goes the way I think it will. But then I've got to, got to manage that risk as well. So I've got to, you know, I'm really sort of, I know at the moment I've got about 3.5, 3.4% of my capital at risk at the moment because I've sort of been building up quite nicely. But yeah, so if I get, get it horribly wrong here, I'll be down 3.5% of my capital. I and mean, I'd can, take that. Can I live with that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what, what that means is in a, it's a week from now, I've got washed down everything. I've been fully in cash. I've sort of retained 96.5% of my capital position. Some of the tech stocks that I'm in, I'm down 65%. <laughs> Didn't put the stop loss in. I want to chat about your trading DNA, like how you define yourself. You said at the top that, you know, you're probably in the middle of the 
of the spectrum between Warren Buffett and the, the algorithmic um, supercomputers. But have you tried different styles over the years and how are you continuing or are you continuing to refine your trading DNA? Yeah, I've probably tried too many styles over the years. So um, done everything from, from whole positions for like two or three years to, to trade intraday mm. uh, as well. One thing with sort of trading and investing as well is you've got to find a, a style which suits your personality. Yeah. So yeah. I'd rather sort of do you know, a little bit of fundamental analysis Scan for sort of the strongest sort of stocks, sort of um, you know fundamentals and sort of revenue earnings growth, and then start looking at the stocks that are showing relative strengths or the strongest sort of technically, and then using the charts and then trying to enter and then give myself room and stops and then yeah, it's the sitting where you make the big money. If you can get positions, scale up, and then you move. It's uh, it's it's really interesting. But what's your average hold time for a stock these days? Do you know? Don't know exactly, but. if I could hold a position for maybe sort of six to six and a half weeks, that's probably okay. that's probably a pretty decent hold. Uh, I've held for longer than that. I could be stopped out within the same day sometimes as oh, well. Oh wow! So you're looking for pretty strong price action in a relatively short period of time. Yeah, look, I'm trying to probably move more towards that sort of daily sort of setup now. So um, I've sort of yeah, I've sort of been more of a weekly trader there, just because I've you know because I'm an advisor, I'm sort of looking after clients as well. So don't I'm sort of um, not bereft with sort of heaps of time there. So I just sort of find if I do my weekly charts on the weekend, sort of see my setups, and I sort of do a scan every sort of uh, every weekend, and I sort of do my top three hundred every. Sunday so I sort of see opportunities in there so that sort of gives me a few ideas and then just during the week I might do a few daily scans on, on other lists that I have um, and that sort of generates me a, yeah, a few there but so sort of gone from being a bit more weekly oriented to more sort of more daily now but yeah ideally I'm really looking to you know if I can hold on if every position could be held for say six and a half to ten weeks then then I'm probably doing really well. Nice. So you mentioned there Sunday you're looking at the your top 300 opportunities, I guess, or scanning for yeah. a list of the top 300. What other like moments during the week are those sort of locked in? You know, Tuesday I'm, yeah. I'm going to do this, or every day I do this. What are some of those key yeah. moments? So, yeah. So I've really built. I've written a, like a, a report every week for the last probably 15 years. Yeah. So. That in itself is a bit tiresome because you're sort of like, oh, every Sunday I got to do a full scan. I got to sort through my charts and come up with the best sort of ten out of the out of three hundred. Write about them, send them out to the clients there. But keeps you disciplined. So you do the work, and it creates opportunities there. And then I have my I've created my sort of um, my shorter term list. So I've sort of got I've sort of scanned for revenue, profit growth, and I've just I've just got a scan for revenue growth, and I've got a scan for uh, new IPOs because I sort of the one thing we know about you know when we've gone through a bear market yesterday's leaders aren't going to be the um, the new leaders mm-hmm. it's going to be so so a lot of the a lot of stocks that have sort of floated in the last two or three years they should be coming through should be, should be some new leadership groups and new stocks coming through there so I'm going to be looking through so I've got a 21 or 22 IPO list yeah, as right. well so I just have all sorts of lists and I just sort of I do my 300 on Sunday and I just do the other scans sort of during the week, just looking through them. I just, I'm so good at, I can literally, I've been doing this for a long time now, I can, I can tab through 300 charts pretty quickly. Jeez. So, yeah, <laughs> I know exactly what I'm looking for. Yeah. So, yeah. What period of time, I mean, I'm getting into the weeds here, but what period of time do you have on your chart? Like is it over three months? Is it over a year? Is it 
daily that you're looking yeah. at? Like when you're flicking through, what are you? What's your time period? Yeah, so at three hundred, I probably look at the week. I look at the weekly, okay. and I probably look at no further than sort of five years. Otherwise, it's sort of getting too too far there. Yeah. When you've been watching these things for twenty years, the three hundred, you sort of you almost sort of know what they did. Yeah. In the previous five, I've unfortunately I'm fifty one, so <laughs> a little bit more history than some of the others out there. So I probably know a bit too much of what their background is, but still know the cycles, know the moves, and um, and then sort of the other sort of charts. I'm looking mainly at dailies, so from the shorter term. So everything that's sort of momentum based, um, I'm really looking at a daily chart. I will look at the, you know, if I go through my, you know. If I go through it's 150 of the rev, you know, top revenue line and the you know, top profit growth companies and I get it, say there's five or ten in there, I write down, then I'll go and look at the weeklies on those. I won't look at the dailies and weeklies on all of them, only the ones that look interesting and see whether that's sort of matching up to what I'm seeing on the daily. But the daily is sort of where we're predominantly at. And then if I'm trading those, I might drill into the half hourly to in terms of setting my position or trying to maximize my entry. Yeah. And I love that in technical analysis, chart patterns, the names, heads and shoulders and flying saucepans and all sorts of different things. Is that what you're looking for, chart pattern? Yeah, I am, yeah. So I have um, in recent years, I long time ago I used to have sort of 10 patterns. So I read um, Thomas Bukowski wrote a book uh, called The Encyclopedia of Chart Patterns. I think I've got that. Which was yeah. a five-year study of the S&P 500 and all the chart patterns basically sort of uh, wrote a chapter on every pattern, listed all the winners, losers, so it's just a you know, statistical representation of every pattern there. And so I read that book many years ago, went through and decided on what I thought were the best 10 patterns in terms of risk-reward profile, um, average move, things like that, just sort of what suited my sort of personality and then worked on those. And then in recent years... I've been trying to scale that back because the thing about the best traders is they, you know, something I've got written on my my, my desk, on my, my wall in front of me is, is settle on a style, follow your rules and become its master. And that's really about really having a playbook which is narrower and narrower and narrower. So the number of patterns you're looking at, you know, the best trader on the planet trades one pattern only. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's it. That's just it. Just looks for one pattern. Looks and for if one it's pattern. Not in that line. If it's not, not that pattern, out. Does not trade it. Who's that? That's Mark Minervini. I was just going to say, I the only book that I've read that is related to uh, technical analysis is Trade Like a Stock Market Wizard yeah. by Mark Minervini. I wish I read that one first. I read that one. I didn't pick that book up up until about three or four years ago. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I wish I picked it up first. Yeah. So Gary, just to close out, you mentioned before breathing techniques and all those sorts of things. But one thing that we don't uh, often consider is the emotions and of post trade and like how you switch off, de stress, remove yourself from the the day to day nature of of being in markets. So how how do you do that, and 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 what is your process of of getting away from the markets? Yeah, for me personally, I just this just, just take Saturday or Saturday sort of um, off. Really, I mean, I look at the market in the morning, uh, but I pretty much try not to look at you know, anything market orientated for the whole day. Uh, I usually try and do some exercise. I usually play football in the in the, oh, nice. in the winter season and, and sometimes summer as well. Just try and take a twenty four hour window off there because I know sort of Sunday afternoon I'm usually sort of back at it. So back into it. yeah. And is your is your day during the week just when markets are open? Yeah, because I've sort of gone back to I'm I used to work in the city probably ninety percent, and now I'm sort of been working from home predominantly. 
I sort of got myself an extra hour in the morning and night. And I thought I'd be sort of using more of that for myself. But uh, apart from doing a bit more exercise in the morning, probably analysing the market a bit, doing more work in the, after- in the afternoon now. So um, tend to watch, you know, like Trade Align is a really good resource for uh, in the US, Richard Moglin. There's so many free YouTube trade. They interview all the best traders on the planet. You know, they even go through their trades. So there's some really interesting stuff there. So often I'll go through there. I'll, I'll, when I'm scrolling through Twitter, I'm pretty active on Twitter, just looking through. I'll look at what, you know, who's got interviewed that week, you know, yeah. and just listen to it. You know, so I'm always just trying to, even though I'm 51, I'm still trying to learn, trying to get better. So just trying to learn something from someone else. But those resources weren't available when yeah. I was learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's amazing what is out there for free now. So Yeah. Yeah. Well, Gary, have thoroughly enjoyed uh, the conversation today. I've learned a lot. As I said at the top, I don't really use any technical analysis in my investing. Very much fundamental. But if I was to bring in something, do you have a hot tip for me? My hot tip would be just to bring the 50-day moving average in there. Okay. Um, I know William O'Neill, who's sort of um, how to make money in stocks, sort of probably the, the founding father of momentum stocks and trading those sort of what they call the growth or monster stocks there. Um, he uses a 50-day moving average. You know, a lot of a lot of good traders that I know sort of suggest that nothing good happens under the 50-day moving average. So if I was sort of trading some of these sort of growth sort of stocks, and you, know, you often see that they can run for a year without breaking the 50-day moving average. Yeah, so right. it can be sort of in there for a long time there. Yeah, um, right. But usually some of the bigger declines when they really get hammered, once they break the 50, they can you know, um, really get going on the downside. Yeah, so, right. yeah, I would sort of like, I reckon if you went investigated the 50 moving average and say, okay, if I, the socks that I, I like and I'm in, if I close them out when they break the 50 and then I reopened them again after they bought the 50. How would they? How would I would have fared yeah, first, yeah. first sort of sitting through them? Well, I might just do some analysis on my current portfolio and see where they all sit relative to the to the fifty day moving average. That's uh, that's pretty interesting. So, if you are interested in more information on trading psychology, I think Gary has made it very clear that you know rules based approach is important, but psychology plays such a massive part in in trading and investing. IG has collected a wealth of information, including interviews with experts in the fields, articles, podcasts, and eBooks, all brought together in a dedicated Master Your Trading Mind hub. So if you are interested, search Master Your Trading Mind or head to Master Your Trading Mind hub on IG.com to find out more. Trading involves risk to your capital, issued by IG Australia, ABN 9309658410, AFSL 515106. But Gary, I've learned so much. I think one of my biggest takeaways, well, other than the 50-day moving average, but is the, the concept of if you can do the opposite to how you feel, then uh, it'd be interesting to see how you go. You might go all right in the market. Something that I'll try and remember when I'm either feeling greedy or feeling scared. So appreciate your time. I learned a lot. I'm sure the Equimates community did as well. Thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having us. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. 
Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.